0: Hello and welcome. You're listening to the Safety and Health Podcast by Safety and Health Practitioner. I'm Ian Hart and I'm the editor of SHP. On this episode, we hear from Robert Dukes, who is the Health, Safety and Environment Manager at Wax Lyrical. In 2019, Robert was the winner of SHP's Rising Star Manufacturing Award and the overall SHP Rising Star UK winner. This year, Robert was part of the judging panel for the 2020 awards. Robert's firm, Wax Lyrical, has remained open throughout the pandemic, pivoting to produce hand sanitiser for the NHS. I was keen to chat to him about the challenges of the last few months, how his year has been as a rising star, his involvement with the IOSH Future Leaders programme and look forward to his goals for 2021. Can you just start off by giving us a little bit of an oversight about what you do at Wax Lyrical, what your job involves and what the company does in general?
1: Circle is the largest home fragrance manufacturer within the UK. We produce candles, diffusers and room sprays. But we actually responded to an NHS request to produce hand sanitizer during the pandemic. I think within 10 days of that request, we were delivering to the local hospital. And there's potential expansions around that as well. My role... Here yeah, is obviously ensuring the health, safety and well-being of employees that are on-site and travelling globally at times. And then also, you know, it was helping to produce hand sanitizer, you know, to helping out, you know, seeing what needed to be done and, you know, could that be done safely.
0: How challenging was that for you as a health and safety professional during the pandemic and having to pivot and make those changes to your normal operating procedure? What challenges did that bring and how did you go about meeting those challenges?
1: It was very challenging, to be honest. I think for anyone during the pandemic, it's been a tough time, been challenging. For me personally, you know, it was responding to the COVID-19 pandemic when at the very start, there was a little guidance out there. You know, we very much were relying on our own knowledge and expertise, people that we were networking with. Quite fortunately, you know, I knew quite a bit about infectious diseases from that. So for me, it was quite fortunate. As a company, we were quite fortunate that we had such a proactive leadership that i the risk and decided to take action early, decided to kind of go hard and go fast, I'd go early as well to kind of make sure that we had everything in place as quickly as possible. To be fair, I think companies that didn't react as quickly, you know, you were seeing suppliers that were clogged up with back orders from very important institutions. Like, you know, we're talking critical infrastructure, we're talking hospitals. You know, there's a lot of care homes that were struggling to get PPE in. So obviously, they were getting preference, and a lot of companies were just too slow to react in terms of just getting PPE in, and then actually having procedures in place. And there were some companies we're failing to do that we never actually shut down during the pandemic we obviously switched hand sanitizer to supply the nhs you know we couldn't do anything on the front lines but we could support those that were on the front lines which was a key thing for us about trying to do that a bit i think that knowledge you know learned throughout all that i think it was a learning curve you know i think it was a learning curve for everyone i don't think we were perfect on day one but i certainly think now that we've definitely got to somewhere where we feel really confident that way you know COVID secure not only was there challenges in terms of obviously, you know, adapting to a the pandemic, there was challenges towards reducing hand sanitizer. You know, some of the machines, you know, we had to make sure we could run it through, went up with formulations, getting in the right stuff in place. And it's doing all that whilst you're in the middle of the pandemic as well. You know, it's them two things will compound together. Then there's a supply chain issues and that so we really had a very fantastic forward thinking and proactive team to be able to do this and then we had the kind of return where it was like kind of coming out of lockdown and starting to come towards the back end of the year where we were obviously having fill orders you know fill christmas orders and stuff like that so yeah for us it's really been quite a massive year really, and then we've had a construction project kickstart on site as a result of, you know, some potential opportunities there. So we've expanded our site in the middle of all this. So for me, it's been non-stop, you know, I've been doing a master's part-time, I've been doing the NEBOSH diploma part-time at the start. And there's a lot of stuff that I was involved in, such as IOSH Future Leaders, And then obviously the day job as well. So for me, it's been really one thing after another, really. It's been quite challenging. I've had some bad news on my side in terms of my Nana passing away. That was quite hard. So I was dealing with the kind of like aftermath of that as well. So it's been a challenging year for everyone, I think. Certainly for us, I feel that we've responded to that. And I think that's kind of been a bit of inspiration for myself, working with people that are, you know, willing to try and make stuff happen and try and help as best as they can. And I think sometimes when things do get hard, it's reminding yourself there are these great people that you're working with.
0: You've been working really, really, really hard and the value of the work must be really honourable and looking at the achievements that you do, you must be pretty proud of yourself and the team over that time. You say you were fully operational. Was that the whole team was a hole in the site or were you short staffed? Did you follow anyone? Did you have to bring anybody else in to cope with the demand or is it just the kind of same procedure as you had been before? One of
1: the first things we did was to make sure it was only essential personnel on site. You know, I think there was a lot of homework and remote working there, which credit to the team around that being able to do that, basically. You know, it certainly was something that we hadn't, done before in that scale and we were able to do that pretty quickly and it was something that some of them had never done homework and then you know there was obviously risks around that that was a company we had to take care of like well-being for instance as well when you kind of tackle one risk another risk will often pop up and then there was like you know controls you site as well you know just segregating shifts how do you make sure there's a proper clean down between them as well i mean you know, you cleaning down during your shifts but who actually goes about and does the cleaning between the shifts and then bringing people in you know we still had key roles that we needed to be fulfilled you know people still leave your business people still had offers elsewhere that they were taking up so it was replacing some of them key people and then you know it was also bringing on some new positions you know we realized we had a very good consultant that we brought in at the start of it to help with the formulations and I'm quite lucky for that like, he stayed with us so far and his work on formulations is brilliant when you start talking about chemistry yeah it blows my mind with it to be honest but we were quite fortunate to get that person in and then you know just go with this and it's been one thing after another and you know i don't think anyone within a company planned it to be go the way it did, it was just a case of we reacted to immediate need. We were finding out that, you know, people that we knew, my own mum works on the respiratory ward of the hospital. And was the first ward we'd actually delivered to was the COVID ward. So for me, it was a personal interest in trying to make it happen and helping the team deliver that. And, you know, there's a lot of other people, you know, where it's like people's sisters, people's daughters, people's husbands, people's wife, that were all involved in working at the local hospital. So it really was, you know, trying to help these guys and equip them as best as possible. And then, like, kind of when we got into, like, the back end of year, you know, there was some actually expansion of some of the teams as well to be able to fulfil orders and stuff like that. So it's been a massive learning curve. But the good thing is, is that we're in a stronger position. We're agile enough you know, to respond to something like this. And, you know, if we had just shut down, where would you be? You know, what would your contribution have been?
0: Highly rewarding having that personal touch to it as well. Some of the things that I've heard around manufacturing companies that I've spoken to is some of the challenges they had around social distancing. Obviously, you've got people yeah. working on production lines. How did you adhere to the guidelines of making sure people were keeping the correct distance apart and not being in close contact with others? It's
1: a learning curve. You're looking at the two-metre social distancing. Even today, we still go on two metres. You know, there's some companies that are one metres plus. You know, we will always try to do the social distancing first. And that's our preference on that. And then it's, it's just putting reminders in, you know, like on the floor, you're putting tape down on the floor. Like, I've just to see somewhere I'm looking at now, like, please keep distance of two metres. You know, we put that down on the site. We put two metres stickers down on site as well. And then it was looking at the point, if people were going to be working in close collaboration where they couldn't do two metres distancing, distance in, you know, are they wearing the right masks? Are they wearing the visors? Is there any kind of plastic screens you can kind of put up? We've got them around the offices. It's keeping rooms well ventilated. It's basically doing everything that we can try to do to mitigate the risk as far as possible. For a lot of our fire doors, throughout site we installed magnetic locks on so that they were actually kept open on a magnetic lock and then if the fire alarm went off it would release them just to stop people touching door handles. You know, it's simple things like that that you try to do to stop people frequently touched spots, basically. I read somewhere as well that apparently that's why the old door handles in hospitals used to be brass or copper because it actually killed diseases or viruses. I'm not sure how true that is. It's an interesting thing that I've always meant to kind of look into. But yeah, it really is just communicating and engaging with your workforce as well. So for me, it's you know engaging them, trying to educate them as well on what the risks actually are. You know, I think if people don't understand the risks properly, then you get quite scared quite quickly. Whereas if you are you know more educated and you're more aware of what they are, then you know what you're doing and you can be confident in what you're doing. And then you can confidently say that you are COVID secure, if you like. I think that's a wrong term because. Due to the nature of the risk, like you know, you could still get people that are not showing any signs of the symptoms of the virus and come on site, and suddenly you're not COVID secure. So I appreciate that we're all doing as best as we can, but you know, unless you have zero things or zero people coming into your site whatsoever, and you know, and going out your site, then that's the only way you can possibly be 100% secure, shall we say?
0: It's interesting you talk about the apprehension of people there. How do you go about reassuring your workforce that it is safe to come in and that they want to come in, they want to do their jobs? How do you reassure them that it is safe and that you're doing the best that you can to support them? I think it's leadership
1: education on what the risks are first and what the hazard is you know so hazard is it's a virus you know that's to come with pandemic and the risk is that people might get it people might pass it on on our site so for me it's about just educating these people on what they actually are and what actually is going on with this virus what we do know about it engaging them about what we've actually done we were displaying our COVID-19 risk assessments we were displaying the steps that we're doing we were briefing the teams on it as regularly as we could and it's about getting the people that are in the leadership positions to get out there and communicate to these guys and speak to them and relay this information as best we can giving them the time to tell us stuff you know they might not feel comfortable about something they might have something going on at home you might have someone that's shielding for instance so people might traditionally car shared coming into work so how do you address them issues you know it's about listening to what they are putting in place what you can do to help and control around that as well and reassuring them really is you're caring you're really getting that probably a few minutes to listen to someone's concerns and uh, reassuring them on that at times as well
0: take you back now rob before covid if that's even possible to remember what it was like pre <laughs> um you're obviously the winner of shp's rising star in manufacturing and shp rising star uk last year can you talk a little bit about how you feel when you were shortlisted for those awards and subsequently found out that you'd won them
1: yeah, just completely surprised really, I mean obviously honoured as well, you know I never once did envision that I would have won it, that someone decided to nominate me and then amazing that I got shortlisted and you know even incredible that I'd won it, so for me it was just a, such a humbling and amazing experience and then I was at the awards, so to see and name and get up and then start speaking to people like Carl, Steve and Stuart and the stuff that then people are telling me you know it was great and then you know you're connecting with them and you're chasing up with them about stuff and it's just been an absolutely amazing experience it's just for connections wise it's been brilliant you know the amount of people i've been able to speak to yourself and chris really have you know helped us in terms of some of the opportunities you have given me you know especially with the training as well you know the training days with acre frameworks and then the training day with all the industry leaders with the soft skills where we're talking about different soft skills and different management skills and It was just absolutely, you know, the entire thing has been absolutely brilliant. I would recommend to anyone that's thinking of nominating someone to do it you know it is life-changing in, in a way because you're kind of accelerating someone's career you're helping develop someone and the opportunities you get from that you know they allow someone if they take them then it's incredible you know some people might win the award and decide not to take them but I really do recommend anyone that is in there just run with it just go with it you know I've been involved in the Irish Future Leaders I don't know if I would have got involved with that if I hadn't won the award you know there's people afterwards that I've managed to connect with some of the mentors that I've been able to connect with, some of the conferences that I've been invited to, I was invited to Shirley Parsons company conference at the start of that year to do a company talk to them. Uh, that was amazing. And some of the connections from that, you know, you know, I still speak to some of the Shirley Parsons guys quite regularly, you know, right the way through to you know just some of the more giving back kind of stuff as well you know i've had people get in touch with me going you've won this award what can i do to win it what can i do to kind of get the next step and that's very humbling when you're kind of getting involved in that and i've been fortunate enough for that where people have reached out to me and asked me to mentor them so you know i never thought i'd be a mentor so soon to so many people you know i've, I've got uh, four people that i'm mentoring at the moment and you know Of them are even in Europe, you know, one of them's in the Middle East, the other one's in Nigeria. So it's just amazing how you make these contacts. You know, just the other day I was speaking to someone in Australia as well. And then, you know, speaking to a professor the other day about something as well. It's just it's absolutely amazing. And the one thing is it's hard to respond to everyone as well. You know, you get a lot of people speaking to you on LinkedIn and, you know, you know, other platforms, and it's hard. To get back to everyone you know it's, it can be hard to respond to everyone so for me it's just been an absolutely amazing experience the only thing that i was good at that i wasn't able to do was attend the safety and health expo this year i know it's postponed for the covid you know but um yeah i was really looking forward to that really and kind of getting there and meeting some of this year's winners and hopefully you know next year we're we'll able to do that and we can get to meet these guys and girls that have been nominated and just try to help them basically
0: I don't think anyone can accuse you of not grasping the opportunity with both hands, Robin. I think you've been a, a really worthwhile winner. It shows that the judges made the correct call last year in selecting you as the winner. And as I say, you really have, have grasped it with both hands and taken it and see what you've achieved. And there certainly will be other opportunities, I'm sure. You touched on it a couple of times, the Irish future leaders. Can you tell me a little bit about that and what it is and what your involvement is with that?
1: The Future Leaders Community is a step by IOSH to try and develop this Future Leaders Community to get people that are coming into the industry have one kind of place for people coming into the industry to find out all this stuff that you don't really know when you come into the industry it's, it's quite easy for myself and other people that are in the industry to say all right well you know I'll go speak to this person or I'll go do that scheme or I'll go here for this course or I'll recommend that or I'll do this but if you're just coming into the industry it can be quite hard to kind of find these kind of resources and to know about everything and then it can be quite hard to develop soft skills and find a mentor and to build the confidence to just reach out to someone so What the future leaders community is for me is to try and help people get into the industry to transition to being someone that could go on and become a future leader in it. And it's doing everything around that to help. I think we need to be getting into like schools and colleges to try and promote the career as a viable first choice career. I've done some of that myself. It can be quite terrifying at times, but it's so amazing. Some of the conversations you have with some of these young teens and some of these people that are in colleges can be brilliant. they'll ask you what your salary is. They'll ask you is your job good. Is there anyone you're hating in your job? Them kind of questions can be quite interesting. And quite delicate to answer, but again, it's that kind of enthusiasm. And when you start talking about some of the positive stuff of health and safety, it really is fantastic. And then I think the other thing is, it's people are coming into the kind of sector from another career where they're doing a bit unsure whether it's the right thing to do. And I think it allows them to kind of get that confidence. Actually, yeah, this is a jump I want to make. This is a step I want to make. And this is the effect I want to have in my career and you know i think there's plenty of good resources that we're putting out there you know i think every single person i've interacted on had something positive to say something positive to kind of put into the future leaders and you know it it ranges from people reaching out to what course should they do should they make the jump right the way through to people you know that are doing some amazing work I've been involved in certain industry collaborations and it's really, you know, there's so many resources out there like mentoring schemes. It might be, how do you find the right mentor? How do you know when to challenge board members potentially? That that was something that recently discussing whether or not to do something on that as well. You know, how do you make that step from being an advisor to a manager to, you know, taking on more managerial responsibilities to then, how do you develop them soft skills as well? You know, it it can be quite hard to do that. So it isn't just one exact thing. It's, It's a several different things I think that, different people will have different perspectives on but the overall aim is to try and just help people get into the industry and kind of take that step up the ladder
0: it's really interesting and it sounds like you know a real added strength to your bow the networking and the work that you're doing there all really excellent stuff just finally before i let you go rob what does the next six 12 months look like for you i mean, i know it's quite quite hard to say in the changing world of covid but what would you like to achieve over the next year or so
1: It's interesting, really, because I set a lot of goals this year, you know, regarding finishing courses and you know, finishing a master's, finishing the the diploma. And I've only actually set one goal career-wise next year for myself, and that is to get my chartered memberships, really. And then there's only one course I'm looking at doing next year at the moment, and that's the CMI Level 7 course that I've paid for to put myself through. I think that management and leadership course would be really good for me um you know that's my kind of next step for myself i feel so for me it's about getting into that chartered membership and getting that out of the way really i don't think it's a massive challenge in terms of you know some of the things i've done in the past certainly when you look at what's happened this year that's the kind of real personal one there certainly um company wise it's, it's to help the company as best as possible and see where we can kind of you know get to next year and, and hopefully we can build and start really kind of capitalize on what we've done this year really because i think we've really had some good knowledge and experience that we've kind of developed,
0: so how can we take that forward and capitalise on that? It was really great to hear the passion and pride in Rob's voice as he spoke about his work and achievements over the last year and a half since he picked up his awards in May 2019. I, for one, will be following Rob's career with interest. As I referenced in the clip, he really has embraced all of the opportunities that he could during that time, and it's exciting to see what he will go on to achieve. I'd like to say a huge thank you to Rob for joining me on this episode. If you've not listened to the previous four episodes, please do go back and check those out. Last time we focused on the latest health, safety, and environmental legislation changes and heard from IOSH past president, Andrew Sharman. You can find the link to our SHP Podcast Hub in the description of this episode. If you like what you hear, please subscribe wherever you get your podcasts to get the latest episodes as soon as they're released. And we'd be really grateful if you could rate us on Apple Podcasts, as that will help us to get the shows out to a wider audience. If you have missed any of SHP's Webinar Wednesday series where we have covered various topics including safety culture, leadership, risk assessment and driver safety, all of those are now available to listen to on demand via the link in the description. Please do stay tuned to shponline.co.uk for the very latest health and safety news and you can also sign up to our daily e-newsletter. Thank you very much for listening and see you on the next episode.